from the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Hello there, I'm Graham, VK4BB. This is WIA National News for week commencing August 16, 2009. We've come a long way since the day this weekend in VK commemorates the end of the hostilities of World War II. From Morse to digital radio and all stops in between. In the United Kingdom, a very, very special event station was on air last weekend and will be again next weekend. Call sign GB1SSB. This has been set up celebrating the 60th anniversary of the first British amateur radio station to use single sideband. GB1SSB, next on air, 22nd, 23rd of August, in honour of Golf 2 NX, the first UK SSB operator. Telstra scoops two world records for technology trials with Nortel. Telstra and Nortel successfully completed world-first trials of next-generation 100 gigabits per second and 40 gigabits per second transmission over the longest distances ever attempted. A continuous 2,038-kilometre fibre-optic link between Adelaide and Sydney was used for the 100 trial, while the 40 trial took place over 3,370 kilometres on a loop-back section of the Sydney to Adelaide route. Both trials use Nortel optical technology on existing Telstra fibre. The publisher of Passport to World Band Radio has told readers that the future of the famed shortwave listeners' guide is in limbo, acknowledging on the Passport's website that solid content is essential to the success of a publication. Publisher Larry Magney cited what he termed as other considerations as the reason behind the decision to possibly cease publications. Westlake's club have arranged to have Jeff Johnson, VK4XJJ, present a talk on his trek across Australia, now listed for next Saturday, Saturday, August 22, in the Westlake's club library. Also, Westlake's, in conjunction with Port Stephens Amateur Radio Club, have registered and are operating Nora Head Lighthouse today as VK2ATZ Portable. Bunya Mountains and District Amcom Incorporated held its AGM Sunday, August 9, the venue chosen for this year was the Maidenwell Pub. After an hour's friendly chat and a well-presented and delicious meal, members settled down to the main reason for the visit to this scenic area. The club executive elected for the ensuing year, President Neil Holmes, VK4NF, Vice President Reg Kozlake, VK4AQU, and Secretary Treasurer Rick Lamas, VK4NRL. The 2009 North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention will be happening in the garrison city of Townsville from Friday 18 to Sunday 20 September. Daytime events will be happening at James Cook University, Douglas Campus with nighttime events, centred on the better bistros and convention rooms in the city. Visits, lectures, displays are already firming up and in the planning. The registration deadline for convention services is Friday, August 28. Now, for an electronic copy of what's going to happen... Surf to the TARC website or send a message to the TARC email address which is vk4wit at wia.org.au. Now just before heading across to South Australia, Wally VK6YS is organising an IOTA expedition to Robertson Island, OC211, between December 29 and January 4. Wally and Nigel VK6NI are looking for another two operators. The South Coast Amateur Radio Club in VK5 will be holding its 2009 Annual General Meeting on the 25th of November. The meeting will be held at the club rooms located at 16 Roberts Road, Hackham West, commencing at 7.30pm. 
Members are requested to attend with visitors and guests more than welcome. For apologies or for more information, please contact the Secretary by email at secretary at scarc.org.au or visit the club website www.scarc.org.au. This has been Steph, BK5HSX, on behalf of the South Coast Amateur Radio Club in South Australia. Across Australia and around the world, from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. From Maryborough, Queensland, Australia, it's relayed on the EQSO for PMR and UHFCB network at 2300 UTC each Saturday. From the Maryborough Electronics and Radio Group, I'm Ray, VK4, TPT. The Wireless Institute of Australia paves the way for new amateurs to our bands. Education, Youth and Advancement of Amateur Radio. I'm James, VK6, FRJA. A bright and sunny Sunday in Melbourne last week saw lots of smiles as ARCS Academy students sat their exams following the standard licence course which was held over the last five weeks. The results were six students passed their advanced licence, 11 their standard and two students passed regulations. Congratulations to all students from the ARCS Academy team, instructors Lino, Ivy, Hannah, Jim and John and of course from the assessor team of Keith, Lionel, Peter and the examinator John. Well done everyone and we look forward to hearing all those new call signs on the air before too much longer. On Saturday the 1st of August, the Cradle Coast Amateur Radio Club held its inaugural examination assessments. This was held at the home of Keith Winkler, VK7KW, the club's learning facilitator. Also in attendance was club's newly endorsed examination assessor, Vernon French, VK7VF. Two candidates sat their foundation licence and passed with flying colours. The candidates are Stephen Lloyd, who has applied for the course on of VK7FXXX, and Hamish Carnage, who has applied for the course on of VK7FHAM. Both Stephen and Hamish expressed how professional and relaxing the exams were conducted and thanked the team for providing the service. We look forward to hearing the new course signs on the air in the very near future, and when you do, please make contact and welcome them to this wonderful hobby of ours. To all radio and electronic enthusiasts out there who listen to our bands and have thought you would like to become an amateur radio operator, then the Cradle Coast Amateur Radio Club can offer learning and examination facilities to anyone who wishes to have a go. You do not have to be a member of the club to use these facilities, and all contacts and exam information is available on their webpage. But if you would like to become a member of this progressive, active and open club, you would be made most welcome. The membership application form and club rules are available to anyone from that website. AMSAT UK announces FunCube. AMSAT UK has announced a new amateur radio satellite project called FunCube. This is an educational single CubeSat project with the goal of educating young people about radio, space, physics and electronics. FunCube will support the educational science, technology, engineering and math curricula and at the same time provide an additional resource for the Radio Society of Great Britain's GB4FUN Mobile Communications Centre. It will also carry a UHF to VHF linear transponder that will have up to 1 watt 
and which can be used by amateur radio operators worldwide for SSB and CW communications. For the WIA National News Service, I'm James, VK6FRJA in Perth, WA. From the WIA, this is the weekly National News Service originating from VK1 WIA. Nip down to your local news agent and get the August issue of Amateur Radio. Look for the dramatic photo of a huge 26-metre dish on the front cover. Lloyd Butler, VK5BR, is a regular contributor to Amateur Radio. He's back on page 5 this month with a simple little test meter to check if the currents in the two legs of a transmission line are in balance. Not only does Lloyd describe how to build and operate the meter, but he delivers a good bit of thoughtful theory about the ifs and buts surrounding the performance of an RF transmission line. WIA President Michael Owen, VK3KI, is using his wide-angle lens this month, taking an analytical look at the International Telecommunications Union and the International Amateur Radio Union, IARU. Make sure you check out page 3. The existence of amateur radio relies on those two bodies, and the WIA has a vital role to play in the complex fabric of regional organisations that link back to them. Michael's grasp on how all this works, and could work better, is second to none. It's certainly complex, but it's required reading if you value the future of amateur radio. The WIA turns 100 next year, and a centenary committee is already planning a series of articles to record and celebrate the history of amateur radio. Peter, VK3RV, is appealing for articles, clippings and or photos to be published in this series. Can you help? Make sure you get all the details on page 4. We always mention the regular columns which are presented every month in Amateur Radio. They're all written by experts in their field and keep you up to date on your special interest. Make sure you have a read this month. There's plenty of them. Also, reports from all states on club activities. Join the WIA today. Make sure you get AR in your letterbox every month. Visit wia.org.au and become a member. For VK1WIA, I'm Greg, VK3FUNK, The Funky Man. From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1WIA. I'm Jason, VK2FEDS. International news with thanks to RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. Laptops and notebooks replacing desk PCs. The age of the desktop PC appears to be over. This as its more portable cousins, the laptop and notebook, surge ahead with consumers clamouring for lightweight computers in funky designs for use at home, in cafes and on their way to work. Not a single desktop model figured on online shopping portal Amazon.com's top 10 selling PC and hardware list the weekend before Christmas 2008. However, seven laptop models made that list. Those who watch trends in the computer industry say that this is yet another sign that the former dominance of desktop PCs is fading. The reason being that advances in wireless technology and lower prices make laptops and notebooks the preferred option for millions of PC users around the world. Major changes in Tonga. Major changes are taking place in amateur radio in Tonga. This according to Paul Kidd, A35RK, who tells the Ohio Pen DX newsletter 
that he recently had a meeting with that nation's radio licensing officer and the technical officer in the newly formed Department of Communications. Amateur Radio Newsline's Don Carlson, KQ6FM, says that in the past, amateur radio licences in Tonga have been managed and issued by a variety of different government agencies. That's now changed with the creation of the Department of Communications, which is already building a website and plans to make licence application forms available online. For newcomers, a novice or some other type of entry-level licence may be created to encourage more activity. The formation of a club station and licensing classes, possibly through the Tonga Maritime Training Institute, was also discussed. Licensing procedures for visiting operators and yachts in transit will be simplified, especially for those entering the country somewhere other than the capital. The new agency will make it possible for visitors to apply online, however they will still want to see an applicant in person before issuing a licence. As to call signs, A35 single-letter suffix calls may soon be issued to resident advanced class licensees and possibly to special event and contest operations as well. Maybe most important of all, A35RK says that Tonga now has a government emergency response plan and amateur radio participation in it is authorised. This in conjunction with the Tonga Defence Force, the Tonga Meteorological Service, the Ministry of Civil Aviation and the Tonga Red Cross. In all, some very positive steps forward for ham radio in that nation. K0DQ, first ever to win all major DX contests, single op. A McLean, Virginia ham operating the 2008 CW weekend of the CQ Worldwide DX contest has perhaps become the only person ever to win single-op world championships in all six major ham radio DX contests. John Scott Red, K0DQ, on the air from Aruba as P4OQ, racked up over a million more points than his closest competitor in the single-operator low-power class. Red had got his first taste of contest victory way back in 1966 as a Navy officer posted to Uruguay and operating as CX2CO in the phone weekend of the CQ Worldwide DX contest. Red worked his way up through the Navy ranks to Vice Admiral and became Commander of the Fifth Fleet. He then served as a civilian in the Iraq Coalition Provisional Authority and as Director of the National Counter-Terrorism Centre before retiring in late 2007. But ham radio and contesting were never far away and operating from Mexico as XE1IIJ in the early 1970s, Red won single op world championships in the CQWW phone contest the IRRL, DX Phone and CW Contest, and the CQWPX Phone Contest. 30 years later, when his professional life permitted a little more hamming time, he added the WPXCW crown as P41P, operating from P43P station in Aruba in 2002. The only prize that eluded him was the CQWWCW. That is... Until now, I'm Jason, VK2FEDS. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you are tuned to the WIA National News Service. In Adelaide, it is relayed on 6 metres on 53.1 MHz AM at 0900 hours Central Standard Time. 
I'm Ben, VK5, Bravo Bravo. Believe it or not, this story from our weird and wonderful file. Piddle Power. Urine-powered cars, homes and personal electronic devices could be available in six months with new technology developed by scientists from the Ohio University. Using a nickel-based electrode, the scientists can create large amounts of cheap hydrogen from urine that could be burned or used in fuel cells. One cow can provide enough energy to supply hot water for 19 houses, says Geraldine Bott, a professor at Ohio University developing the technology. Soldiers in the field could carry their own fuel. Chemically binding hydrogen to other elements, like oxygen, to create water makes it easier to transport and store. But releasing the hydrogen when it is needed usually requires financially prohibitive amounts of electricity. By attaching hydrogen to another element, nitrogen, Bot and her colleagues realise that they can store hydrogen without the exotic environmental conditions and then release it with less electricity, 0.037 volts instead of the 1.23 volts needed for water. One molecule of urea, a major component of urine, contains four atoms of hydrogen bonded to two atoms of nitrogen. Stick a special nickel electrode into the pool of urine, apply an electrical current and the hydrogen gas is released. A fuel cell urine powered vehicle could theoretically travel 90 miles per gallon. The waste products from say a chicken farm could be used to produce the energy needed to run the farm. Now, for livestock farmers who are required by law to pool their animals' waste, large-scale prototypes could turn that urine into power within six months. Now, while smaller versions are unlikely to be available soon after that, the average consumer probably shouldn't start saving their pee just yet. This has been VK2FJL reporting for Westlake's Amateur Radio Club on behalf of the VK1 WIA National News. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. I'm Felix VK4FUQ. Operational News, on-air contest column, dateline 2009. August 29 and 30, Alara Contest. October 3 and 4, Oceania Contest SSB. October 10 and 11, Oceania Contest CW. The close-off for log entries to the VK Shires is just days away. Log entries must be submitted by September 1 to be eligible for awards. Submit your electronic log in the Cabrillo format created by all major logging programs. Send via email attachment to contest at vkshires.info. Subject line, call sign used in the contest. Single op stations may submit a paper log only if they make less than 100 QSOs. VK entrants are reminded to be sure that their log indicates the VK Shire location. If you went portable or mobile, the log must clearly define where you change location. Click on the VK Shire's web form link on their contest website. Special event calls, beacon, DXN advice. These are operating till December 31. GB40WAB, 40th anniversary of the WAB. OZ1658ROS, 350th anniversary of the Tridia Roskilde. Various SM stations using 1658 Tridia Roskilde. VI2SRC50, Summerland Club's 50th anniversary, VK2. VR2009EAG, the 5th East Asian Games, Hong Kong. YL90AIR, 90 years of Latvian Air Force. 
Philip, ZL2TZE, who back in the days of Packet Radio put this news out from ZL for us, has taken over the now-deleted KiwiDX group, which out of the blue closed last Sunday week. The new group is ZLDXC, ZLDX Club and their net. The ZLDXC net is at 0800 hours UTC 3777 LSB, plus or minus QSB, Tuesday and Friday nights. Oh, and Philip still has his packet BBS working away, but has slowly moved away from that and now supports APRS and DX. CNET Conference Korea 2009 The 37th Annual CNET Convention will be hosted for the first time in Korea. The convention is truly a worthwhile endeavour as it provides the opportunity to meet face-to-face and strengthen the bonds of friendship and learn from each other through sharing and discussion of mutual interests. The opportunity to attend and participate has given the organisers greater understanding of various peoples and cultures that they may not have otherwise have known. Some travellers may have concerns when visiting Korea with the current political climate as well as its proximity to other nations which have had SARS outbreaks in the past. However, everyone who travels to Korea comes to see it as a safe, warm and welcoming city where tourists can comfortably enjoy sightseeing and walking through rated cities, says HL1KDW, J.D. Sook, organising chairperson 2009 CNET Convention in Seoul, Korea. Today, 16 August, a special event station with the call sign TC17EQ will participate in the memorial event for the tragic earthquake which occurred in the town and region of Imzit, Turkey, on 17 August 1999. The event will be attended by representatives of the countries that provided international assistance following this disaster 10 years ago. In recognition of their key role in emergency communications, the Turkish IIA Member Society, TRAC, has been invited to be a part of the official program with a special event station and with two of their emergency communication vehicles. TC-170Q is expected to be QRV on 20 and 40 metres, primarily an SSD, mostly near the respective centre of activity frequencies for emergency communications, and on 30 metres in CW and PSK. Finally today in operational news, it's a look at the SWL scene. Passport de Worldband Radio in Limbo The publisher of Passport de Worldband Radio has told readers that the future of the famed SWL guide is in limbo. Acknowledging on the Passport's website that solid content is essential to the success of a publication, Publisher Larry Magney cited what he termed as other considerations as the reason behind the decision to possibly cease publication. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ Inningham. Across Australia and around the world, from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. From Maryborough, Queensland, Australia, it's relayed on the EQSO for PMR and UHFCB network at 2300 UTC each Saturday. From the Maryborough Electronics and Radio Group, I'm Ray, VK4TPT. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group news. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. GARAC 2009, the 5th Global Amateur Radio Emergency Communications, or GARAC, conference will be held on the 24th to the 25th of August in conjunction with the JARL Tokyo Hamfest. The theme for GARAC 2009 will be Emergency Communications Across Borders. The program will include presentations about operations during disasters that have occurred since last year's conference and discussions about new developments in technology and their application in emergency communications. The fifth GARAC continues the work of the four forerunners held in Finland, Germany and the USA. Talas introduces SDR LMR Portable. 
The US Department of Homeland Security has picked 14 groups from around the USA to pilot an ambitious multiband radio project. This in an attempt to permit all responding units to talk to one another and with incident command no matter what frequency or mode of communications they use. Amateur Radio Newsline's Jeff Clark, K8JAC, says that having a fully interoperable portable that's comparable to today's single band sets was the reason that the Department of Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate in 2008 awarded $6.2 million contract to Talus Communications. Its job was to develop and demonstrate the first ever portable radio prototype that lets emergency responders, police, firefighters, emergency medical personnel and others communicate with partner agencies, regardless of the radio band that they operate on. The result of that investment by the government is the Tala's Liberty software-defined multiband portable radio, which received FCC certification in April. The prototype is capable of operating in the primary public safety bands between 136 and 174 MHz, 380 to 520 MHz, as well as the 700 and 800 MHz bands. And because it's a software-defined radio, it can be reconfigured to operate an emergency spectrum that will be dedicated to the emergency communications as well. And they are priced? Well, they're priced at a hefty $4,000 to $6,000 US each. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Military Marine Corps banned social networking sites. The US Marine Corps have banned MySpace, Twitter, Facebook and several other social media sites from its networks. The ban, which is effective immediately, was issued in response to a late July warning from US Strategic Command. According to news reports, the Strategic Command told the rest of the military it was considering a Defence Department-wide ban on Web 2.0 sites. This due to what the government says are security network concerns. The Marine Corps says that it will issue waivers to the Web 2.0 blockade if the mission critical need can be proven. They will continue to allow access to the military's internal SNS-like services. But for most members of the Corps, access to the real public social networking sites is now shut off for at least the next 12 months. Being our RD weekend, and coming on the heels of the past two weeks' stories here on WIA National News of Winnie the War winner, an ingenious radio built from cocoa tins, toothbrushes and an ashtray by a British engineer held in a German prison camp during World War II, is among the exhibits of a major exhibition looking at the experiences of prisoners in war. The story of how Captain Ernest Shackleton made the radio from odds and ends he scavenged while in captivity is told in Captured, The Extraordinary Life of a Prisoner at War, which has just opened at the Imperial War Museum north in Manchester. Shackleton was able to use a valve and some capacitors from a broken film projector to make a regenerative receiver covering several wave bands with interchangeable coils made from toilet roll tubes. Variable capacitor plates were made from round trees cocoa tins rolled flat with a beer bottle and cut with scissors. The spindles were made from cylindrical thermometer cases. Two toothbrush handles formed the insulation support and the rectifier valve holder for the power supply was made from a Bakelite ashtray cut and drilled with a penknife. The completed set which ran on mains electricity taken from the lighting circuit was concealed under the floor and operated by knitting needles poked through the cracks between the floorboards. Used to listen to the BBC and American broadcasts, it gave prisoners of war a link to the outside world, to the point where they were often better informed than their guards about the progress of the war. Aldous Lamps. The following story is sourced to VK7WI News and is a fascinating wartime story featuring Aldous Lamps, or blinkers, those signalling lamps used to blink out code messages at short range, usually at sea. In 1944, Jack Campbell and Stephanie Batestone struck up a relationship using an unusual method of communication. They never met. Then Jack vanished. 
57 years later at the Imperial War Museum with BBC reporter Sarah Parker, they met face to face for the very first time. During World War II, Jack Campbell was a signalman in the US Navy. For 30 days, his ship was anchored off the Scottish coast in the Fifth of Lawn near Oban. Life got a bit lonely on board, so Jack started up a conversation with the shore station by Aldous Lamp. An Aldous Lamp was also known as a blinker and was used to flash messages from ship to shore. Stephanie Bateston, a trainee Wren, got talking to Jack by Aldous Lamp after he'd helped her out by passing messages onto another ship. Whilst Jack and Stephanie never saw each other, they struck up a relationship across the night waters. You could say anything to a man on a ship several miles off. You knew you'd probably never meet them, remember Stephanie. We were like two people on separate desert islands. Then one morning, invasion in the air. Stephanie looks out across the sea. The anchorage was completely empty. There were no ships at all. We asked around to find out where they'd gone. It was D-Day, and the Allied naval forces were landing in the northern coast of France. I felt he hadn't survived. We heard later that ships were sunk. The invasion had started from Oban, and that's the big romance of it all. Jack had written to Stephanie, and she'd tried to contact him, but wartime has little respect for relationships or the postal service. 57 years later, Jack and Stephanie met for the very first time. Stephanie had never married. Jack had, and it was his daughter Nikki, at Jack's request, who made contact with Stephanie on a visit to Britain. I told this story many times, said Jack. Imagine sitting five miles from somebody and carrying out a conversation by light and never meeting them. It's thrilling after 57 years to meet somebody I've never talked to. Well, that's it. That's all I have for you this week. I'm Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Thanks, Robert. That's the end of WIA National News for this, the RD weekend. After you check in, we would like you to, particularly if you're on VHF or UHF, to move off to a simplex channel and give some RD numbers. And, of course, if you're on HF, some numbers in the Remembrance Day contest would certainly be great. On the social scene, still to come this month of August, August 22 in VK2, Blue Mountains Amateur Radio Club's Winterfest. That's at Orchard Hills. Now, next week, it's our big annual Alara edition. So the girls from Alara will be along presenting the news. So, until then, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.